Hi, and welcome to episode seven of the Frio Big Footy podcast. Tonight we'll be having a look at the uh, game from last week versus North Melbourne, where there was plenty of action on and off the field during the week, as well as the uh, upcoming game against the Geelong Cats down at uh, Simmons Stadium, which will really be a test of Frio's game plan, I think, with those uh, outs that we've had. This week we've got uh, Sefo joining us as usual. How are you, mate? Good. A uh, bit under the weather today, so excuse the uh, nasally voice, but hopefully I'm all good for the uh, game on Saturday and I can be there and be there to, uh, with a full voice. Great. And we've got Valkyrie back this week. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Uh, hopefully, I'm glad I'm not banned from the uh, podcast just because I got banned from the from the big footy. <laughs> well, we can sort of do it uh, by the dark side, so we'll uh, welcome welcome back. So last week we saw Fremantle 10 goals, 7.67, defeat the North Melbourne uh, Kangaroos 4 goals, 5.29. And I suppose that most of the uh, discussion this week has obviously been on uh, Pinchgate, for use of a better word, uh, with uh, Crowley versus Harvey. Um, so we'll start off with that, I think, and uh, Valkram, we'll let you get going. See, I know you've uh, had plenty to say about it this week. So, oh, I think I've uh, said enough. I, mean, I took it too far, I think, as well. But no, it's, it's, I think it's an absolute crock, an absolute joke. I've never been so fired up about something in football for a long time. It disgusts me that someone can have a he said versus she said and lose in the tribunal. It's an absolute joke. Whether he did it or not, no one will know except those two. But the point being is there is no evidence to prove that he did it. And therefore, there shouldn't be any sanction from the Chuklotto, I mean, match review panel. Yeah. How about you, Sefo? What's your thoughts on it? Well, I uh, I was fired up as much as anybody else when reading through the transcript of the tribunal. and I just couldn't believe the lack of evidence going through. It just looked like I was going to pay in favour of Crowley and... When it came to the decision, I, it's flabbergasted me. I just, uh, I mean, no, I'm more fired no up physical. about this than the Fife one. Yeah, so I can I, see the Fife ha- having sort of a case to answer for his kick, but no evidence whatsoever other than just a word of mouth. And the umpires would have been watching that contest all day, and they don't have any hard evidence either to contribute. So it's yeah, I mean, there's no video evidence. There's no physical evidence. And if, you know, if we're to believe Harvey's word, that was for the people who can't see at home, inverted quotes, um, 300 times in a game, over 120 minutes every 24 seconds. And surely they can see that. I mean, they can see off the ball incidents. Surely they'll be able to see that. This is, uh, anyway, we haven't got time for this, I don't think. Yeah. No, we'll, um, <laughs> Go on all night. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think, as you said, I think what you touched on earlier, uh, Valcom, was probably the key point. I think it's a very dangerous ground for the tribunal to go down when they're talking about on the laws of probability. Um, And I think the bigger concern will be, like, obviously, um, it doesn't, you know, if we go out this week or even in a final, if some team comes up and we play them in a prelim or a game like that, you know, they'll just say, oh, Crowley pinched me. And then, you know, based on the law of probabilities, then there's a fair chance that either, you know, thankfully at the moment it's not a suspension, but who's to say if that continues down this you know, this sort of thing where it's he said, she said type thing, I think it's just a dangerous precedent to set when you're just talking about the law of probabilities rather than... Oh, absolutely. And, then take, and then take into the fact that now Crowley's word is tainted. He's, he's branded a liar because of the outcome. Yeah. Now, we don't know for a fact if he did or didn't, and as you can see, no evidence, so it's inconclusive, so you have to give the benefit of the doubt, which is, in this case, no decision. It's... If you did this to someone outside of the football world, you'd have a defamation case against you. Yeah, I have no problem if he actually, um, 
you know, because I mean, I'm not a fan of pinching in the game at all. So if, agree. If, if he did if it, he did it take, I think he cops back. it. But I do agree that based on the what they said at the tribunal, I'm very, very surprised at the, uh, the as you said, the sort of the final decision that came about. And I just, I just think it sets a dangerous precedent. But as you said, sometimes with the match review panel or the tribunal, it's a bit hard to know what they're doing. I just wonder if actually on the day that Crowley was following Harvey around, if it, you know how Har- Crowley always tags with a arm across the body or something like that, and mm. if he was complaining about his broken rib or something, what about if it was actually his nerves actually going off without any contact really being made? Like, how's he going to have the time, Crowley, to actually try and pinch him when all could have been just throwing his arm across constantly? And I mean, it's also going to be it could just yeah. be being grabbed. Every tagger in the game grabs. Everyone goes on about how Lingy was such the you know it was a great tagger and worked both ways. He still grabbed blokes. End of story. It's, yeah. it's funny because it's because the front of my nine my, now, and I've just watched the first half of uh, West Coast and Essendon, and the amount of jumper pulling and the arms across the body that goes on, yeah. it's it's just ridiculous. There's so much of it in the game, and I can't believe that he's come out and made a big fuss about it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll finish it up by saying that uh, the shin bonus spirit is gone. It is now the whinge bonus spirit. <laughs> yeah, nice one. <laughs> I think I think another interesting point from the game was, and we think we saw it the week before against Brisbane. Brisbane came out really physical against Fremantle, and they really sort of tried to rough players up. They got into a few scuffles early, and I don't know whether it put Freo off their game, but Brisbane were able to keep in touch with Fremantle really up until the last quarter. There was only 10 points in it. I'm just wondering, because North... Although they, um, you know, sort of carry on about the bump that Crowley did, North Melbourne really came out at the beginning of the game and really initiated quite a bit of the scuffling that occurred. Harvey started before the siren went. Yeah, and then both teams sort of went at it from there. So it's been interesting that the last two weeks, and it'll be interesting to see if Geelong try the same tactic tomorrow night down at the Cattery. And when you look at the scoreline, the fact that there was only a couple of scoring shots in the first quarter was really just, it was all about aggression, and no one was too keen to actually hit the scoreboard and there was just so much going on that there wasn't until that after that first quarter sorted out that we actually took off and gave us a sort of a bit of a margin that helped us win the game. So hopefully, you know, it could help us against Geelong, but I don't think we've got the senior players out there to really go with a, a real, real, real hard contest. It's going to be like guys like Subin and Clancy Pierce that's going to help <clears> us <throat> out. But against North, um, they're just not a good side and we just had enough out there on the field to get the job done without being too... They tried to come in and play a, a a strong physical presence game against us, and who have they got to really play that role? What, Harvey, Wells, Swallow. I mean, they're not really the same as you know Deboer, Clancy, and you know Mundy and Barlow. They're not hard like they are. They're outside runners. And it was good For to a, see. Um, but Geelong have got uh, those type of players who are hard, can play that uh, harder style of football. And it was good to see Barlow and Fife stand up last week, with Monday obviously being a late withdrawal with his calf injury. You saw those sort of guys take their game to the next, you know, step up when uh, Monday wasn't there. And both uh, Barlow had 31 possessions, and unfortunately he's out this week. But Fife stood up with 28, and just his ability in the wet is just um, outstanding with his clean, uh, clean hands and that. But on the inside like, of the packs, watching DeBoer actually take that, because I was trying to work out, all right, if Monday's out, who's going to be that extra one at the ball? And it was DeBoer was the one that was in there. And as soon as I th- saw him throw himself in a couple of contests, I just knew that we wouldn't actually lose um, with Monday out because we've just got a good amount of people, good depth to come in and just replace those roles. This week we're going to be stretched even further, but the way that DeBoer 
has competed in the middle when he's been required to has been brilliant. Yeah. And I think that was a, um, I think, as you said, that moot, like Swallow was sort of getting off the chain a little bit in that first quarter and was sort of getting a lot of clearance work. And I think the line, move by line to move the ball into the middle certainly helped um, curb his production probably in the second, third quarters and uh, allowed us just to get on top in the middle there for a while. He also was pretty good to see the uh, guys, the spread of goal kickers again. We sort of, I think we had nine or ten goal kickers again last week, so we're spreading it out. So it's very hard for teams to uh, sort of, you know, shut it, shut it down when you know we're getting contributions all across the park. Well, if we had nine goal kickers and only one multiple, and that was Subin with two. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the odds before game would have been for Subin to be top goal kicker because I don't think North had either. No, they had kickers, four so. four individuals as well. Yeah, so Seaman play really long odds for uh, first, well, not first goal kick, most goals kicked. Absolutely. All right, so I think that uh, pretty much wraps up that game. Uh, as I said, it wasn't wasn't the prettiest spectacle, and obviously the rain in the first quarter probably helped us a little bit in terms of uh, keeping the game on our terms. They did look better north when the game was opened up a bit, and Fremantle sort of fatigued the fraction, but at the end of the day, it's another four points in the bank, and uh, managed to get us up to third on the ladder, which is great. Any other points you'd like to make, boys, on that game? Or Not really. I thought it's um, good to see Walters back and get on the scoreboard, even though he wasn't too influential. But I expect him to step up again this week, and I don't think Geelong's got anyone that can really go with him. So I'm expecting a big game from him, no matter what the conditions. Uh, it can't, can't, can't really be a good buddy if I don't mention how good Zach Clark was on the weekend either. Uh, especially as Goldstein's such a good ruckman. I really thought that... I think the numbers said that Goldstein won a lot of the hitouts, but the way that Clark held his own, and you know, last year he would have been out muscled, but Clark was just brilliant. How he's actually looking more muscly and a lot more core strength, and actually holding up fairly well. And I think, yeah, because was it Goldstein forty six hitouts, and Clark still had thirty hitouts, I think it was. So he still did extremely well. And I think Clark was definitely more dominant around the ground in terms of his mark, ability to mark and give us an out, particularly. Uh, along the ring there when the sort of defence was bringing it out. He just sort of, you know, gave us that option quite a few times, which was really pleasing to see. So, as you said, he just keeps developing better and better each week, which is Well, fantastic. just grab the stats up now. So 17 disposals and six marks for Clark and nine disposals and three marks for Goldstein. I mean, I think that's one of the frustrations with Goldstein as well. I mean, he just doesn't do enough around the ground, you know, mm. apart from his hitouts. I mean, it's good if you've got him in your fantasy and hitouts count, but... Just for North, they're probably just not getting enough from him around the ground. So, But this week, obviously, with uh, the Geelong game coming in, we've had a one sort of change in team selection with Tommy Sheridan coming in, um, which has probably surprised a few on the uh, forums uh, with uh, Viv Mitchie missing out. Um, Say a lot of, lot of talk for Viv Mitchie, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's interesting when a lot of the time we sort of, even on the forums, we sort of hear people say, oh, stats don't mean everything. And, you know, I think... Um, as I said, Sheridan's been close to an emergency quite a few times this year, and I think his ability to run and carry and his good disposal is probably going to give him... A, and I think they've got to give him a chance to see how he goes. So, And I think, you know, there's a big step up between um, Waffle and the AFL, and I thought probably Sutcliffe would have been closer even than uh, probably both of them. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes, and obviously the loss of Barlow will be huge, uh, not just for his ability in the in the contest, but his ability to go forward as well, because he does take a reasonable defender when he does rotate forward with Fife down there. So it will be one change for them. And Geelong have got, obviously, Steve Johnson out suspended, who uh, doesn't like playing Frio. missed the last couple of games through uh, suspension. And Josh Caddy comes in for him, who was obviously up at the Gold Coast and has shown a little bit this year as well. So 
What do we think about the team selections this week? Well, has Mishi boarded the plane? Is he the only travelling emergency, or have they got two? Sutcliffe and Tanner Smith. I'm um, not aware of who's actually gone over. I just heard Mishi was on the plane, but he would be the only one for a late change. I would think so. I know you couldn't imagine they'd bring a big in down in Geelong, especially if it's wet at Geelong you know, on a Saturday night. Uh, you know, it's not always the best place to play for a big tall forward anyway, let alone if it's uh, blowing a bit of a gale down there and with showers predicted. I couldn't see one of the talls coming in. So you'd have to think Mitchie would be over there as an emergency and there might be someone else in doubt. So, you know, he might get a run. They'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, Ross was saying on the interview at the airport that uh, Mitchie comes in as the emergency. And just the same thing you are saying as well, that um, it's all well and good getting 30 touches in the waffle, but that's not the same as <laughs> AFL. They obviously rate him because he's been named that many times as an emergency. So um, let's just hope that Sheridan has more of an impact than he did where his sub appearance late last year coming on against Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a baptism of fire. Yeah. I think he, um, if, if you watch any of the Peel games, though, he does show that um, ability to run back and forth, which is something that Ross Lyon does like a lot. He does work hard both ways, and I don't know if that's something that Mitchie quite does as well. Even though Mitchie does rack up the ball a little bit more, I don't think he has that ability at the moment to work both ways the same way that Sheridan does. Uh, and they're in the games that I've seen from Peel. And I think the same sort of thing happened last year with Broughton. Broughton loves playing the game on his own terms and doesn't necessarily fit into the game plan. And although Broughton had a lot more chances, I think probably they're probably just getting Mitchie to work hard both ways. At the moment, he probably works well one way and he spreads good and he gets a lot of the ball, but I don't necessarily think his ability to run back is quite as good as the uh, of, as that as Sheridan from the game. I suppose that's, that's going to be really important looking the way that Brisbane got those late goals against Geelong last week is we've got to be able to run and get the ball through the middle of a turnover, be prepared to run back. So that's probably why Sheridan's in there and it's going to be the crucial sort of part of our midfield going back and forward to actually uh, get on the scoreboard against Geelong. So we'll move into the uh, sort of preview with that for the Geelong game. Obviously, uh, you know, three of Geelong games probably over the last five or six games have been really... uh, Probably close and hard-fought affairs, obviously, one exception being when they towed us up a bit at the MCG, but the two games they've had here have been close, and the victory we had in the elimination final last year, probably uh, any Frio supporter will long remember that game for uh, you know the way we sort of came out and really probably stamped ourselves as a legitimate team in the competition, and it's probably the first time we've seen that. So, But Geelong have got their injury worries as well. I mean, I know we've got Pav and Sanderlands and uh, Mundy and Barlow out, but they're missing some good players as well in players like Varco and Chapman, as well as Steve Johnson. So, I mean, both teams do have a few players missing, and obviously they've still got Hamish McIntosh out as well, who hasn't really even played a game. He's a bit like Wellingham, I think, for West Coast. But they, it will certainly be a real test of Ross Lyon's game plan, especially when we talk about uh, don't worry about the players that are involved, just the structures. And I think this week will really give it um, its full test, I think. Great. What do you guys think? A young caddy comes in to replace Johnson too, so it's a big loss from them. It must be Johnson just doesn't want to play against us because every time we send to play against him, he's, he's out suspended or whatever. But no, he young Josh Kett, yeah, he probably just doesn't want to take the risk to hit Ballantyne and cop another suspension. Um, self-preservation. Yeah. Young Josh Caddy's got a lot of talk about him, so whether how he'll go handling uh, coming in for his first game would be interesting for them, but that certainly leaves a big big hole for them in that midfield half-forward area, which is um, 
good for us because that leaves the likes of Ibo to keep taking all those marks. You think with the uh, um, exclusion of Johnson, that's you know, a big loss for them. But with both Mundy and Barlow, even though Mundy's not really an out, but um, those two out of our crucial sort of midfield, that's going to be probably just a bit too much to stretch us where they can have someone cover Johnson. Um, I think we've got too much to really match. If we went in unchanged or had Mundy coming back, I'd, I'd rate our chances. But as it stands, doing the matchups, I think they've got the ball slightly in their court. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the um, how Ross Lyon sort of goes at it as well because, I mean, the Geelong Stadium is quite narrow, the ground there, and it sort of does suit our game style a lot in terms of being able to put the pressure on, but obviously they're quite a strong um, side, so they won't sort of be thrown off the ball quite easily, where I think last week against the Kangaroos, you can see a few of their younger blokes struggled with that. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes about it, particularly because Geelong love running the ball through the corridor. So it'll be interesting to see how Lyon attacks that and whether they sort of try and sort of really clog the middle and make them push out wide to the boundary, or whether they sort of... uh, Back the defence in particularly, obviously we've got a pretty settled back six down there. So it'll be interesting to see the um, tactics that are being used. Because I don't think I don't think Chris Scott's beaten uh, Ross Lyon for a while either, for that matter. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, like as I've mentioned, it's going to be 819 days since the last time Geelong beat us. So if we can extend that out, I'll be absolutely wrapped. It'll probably go well for you being in Victoria. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think they're. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go with particularly how they line up with their forwards, because obviously we've got quite a small forward line at the moment. It's good to see Taverner had another uh, game this week. Obviously, they've tried to give him two games, which is good. But, I mean, he's really our only big down there. So they may try and stretch us the other end as well with Tommy Hawkins, Pods, and Harry. they may even bring Harry Harry Taylor forward as well, because realistically, they're only... I mean, Lonergan, you'd have to think, would be able to take control of Taverner. So it'll be interesting to see whether they try and stretch us down forward with those uh, three big tools there. You still got to have someone to come and take on Hannah or Clark when they rest when they go up forward. So you, we're going to have to be. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to pull. Ta- yeah, you wouldn't want to pull Taylor off. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, Lonigan and Taylor would cover our tools, and then allows the likes of uh, Enright, Hunt, Corey, maybe um, Guthrie, those sorts of guys to um, try and take on our smaller brigade. The only reason why I can see Harry Taylor going forward for them is actually to kick goals against our defence, not really a, a mismatch for our forwards. So that's going to be probably what they're going to try and challenge to get through because our back six is solid. hasn't changed the last few weeks. So we'll back them in, but we're just going to be really creative with how we get goals because their defenders will have the guys like Tabiner and Main and um, Hannah or the rest of Ruckman, whoever it's going to be pretty much well covered and we're going to have to be really creative and rely off these midfielders you know Subin we might even uh, throw a bit of money on Subin to get you know first goal or most goals again because he's got that big boot and if he plays a bit more forward of the ball he'll uh, have every chance of putting them through so I think the other thing as well is that Geelong tend to struggle with those small forwards and obviously with Ballantyne and Walters in the side it would be interesting to see who which matchup they use because obviously Corey Enright loves playing that intercept role a bit like Ibbotson does but he does struggle when the ball Gets on the uh, ground, even though he's been a fantastic player for a number of, for a long, long time. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, they're trying. I can see Guthrie's been named down back and Taylor Hunt. And although those guys, their guys are probably more pure midfield or midfielders rather than defenders, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, 
Valentine and Walters, particularly if it is a you know dewy night where the ball is a bit slippery, to see if they can uh, get the opportunity to uh, sort of get off the leash a bit. Yeah, who, who, who do you think? That's the thing. Have you got Mackey or Enright, or are those guys going to go to Walters and Bella? Because they're both really tiny, but they're both pretty elusive. And, you know, Enright's not getting any younger, and neither is Corey. I don't know if it's um, one of the Hunt brothers, or the yeah. Cabra Witch Hunt, but they'll probably take uh, um, Walters, you think? Well, you, you think, think Taylor Hunt would go there? Them? Maybe Josh Hunt's probably a bit too, um, again, getting a bit slow and older in the tooth yeah. to try and take on one of those little guys. Either way, that's a way we can expose them with our smaller forwards. So if Walters and Ballas can get up, but Ballas never seems to be able to play well away, I just hope that he can uh, concentrate, not get sucked in and just play a good game and hopefully don't get tagged out. Yeah, and then you got Crozier in there as well. Yeah, so here's another small... It'll be interesting to see how Ross Lyon... Uh, uses DeBoer and Crowley this week. I have a funny feeling DeBoer will go to Joel Selwood because in the past they've used Crowley on James Kelly and Kelly doesn't like the attention. And, you know, quite a few times he's been suspended, you know, trying to sort of uh, sort of break the tag type thing. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they take, if Crowley does go to James Kelly and they, you know, may start DeBoer on um, Selwood just to sort of give that extra presence in the middle and uh, that extra bigger body. Yeah. What do you guys think? Well, it's, it's got to be Selwood or Kelly. I mean, you wouldn't see him see, uh, couldn't see him going to Bartel because Bartel will just push forward, and you don't want Crowley in the in the um, back line, as was shown in the Adelaide game when Dangerfield took him forward. How about you, Sefo? What do you what do you think? Um, well, you think I, I looked at the stats and a couple of the games where Geelong have played and how well he's gone with a hard tag, and, and he seems to get through it every single time. So he's a player almost immune to a really hard tag. So I don't know. if... Crowley would be better suited to go into Kelly and just cancel him out almost because he doesn't like the tag. So he's very taggable, Kelly. Um, so would you almost <clears throat> maybe, if we've got DeBoer again on the inside, because he's going to be at the bottom of the packs a lot of the time, probably get DeBoer in there on him and throw his weight around and just watch he doesn't drop his knees and throw his head back. It'd be interesting to see as well because Geelong have got, a, you know, guys like Christensen have stepped up a bit this year and they're sort of, Small, quicker type midfielders, and we like most of our midfield uh, side is pretty big units. They're not really, they're not super quick over the, uh, you know, on those smaller type players. I mean, obviously they use their bulk well and make sure they sort of leave the clearances. Obviously we've got Hill and Pierce in there who can play that role. But interesting to see who, where they play Christensen this week. They've sort of been rotating through the middle and half forward, so. Yeah, Motlop's been pretty dangerous for him. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing um, Zungu running off with Motlop. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll have the run with to go with him. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that depends on... And they may leave Spur on Stokes then, I suppose, if uh, if they're going to try and sort of, you know, get those matchups down back. Yeah. Because Stokes is... Well, yeah, let's see, that's the other one. Stokes... Mzungu could go to Motlop or Stokes. I think Stokes has been running for, more through the midfield than Motlop, so they're probably worth going there, not Motlop. Might think, be right. You might be right there. I think the interesting one will be who they play on uh, Chris Main as well. That, if Taylor does take Tabiner, which you know you'd expect them maybe to do, you probably have to think Lonigan would go on Main because they really don't have anyone else who would be that sort of quick type player who could probably stay with him. Where Lonigan does has shown he has got a reasonable uh, reasonable amount of pace compared to some of the other defenders they've got down the back. So I mean, Main will be critical again for us, I think, uh, especially with that sort of. Depleted, you know, without Pavel, that big target there. 
Yeah, Lonigan's always taken the big monsters in the past, though, so you think maybe he might go to Clark and Hannah just because they're the bigger body. Yeah, we'll probably be relying on that resting Ruckman to take the tallest, biggest defender, and Tabitha's really going to have to work hard to um, do his repeat leads. He was pretty good on that, actually. I, I was surprised because I watched the replay. I didn't really notice it first up. Um, I was you know, looking out for that number 42, and, and where he was going, he might not have been involved with the contest, but he was actually moving pretty well. So if he can actually work whoever John throw at him, well, I think it will actually help free up mate or the resting muckland or whoever's actually going to be down there. And I think that's I think that's Tabiner's strength, you know. Even those games for Peel this year, his ability to run up and back, a bit like that Nick Rewald, obviously he's not in his class or anywhere near it at the moment, but he's, he has that same sort of style, which obviously probably would appeal to Lyon, given that he's seen what, um, you know, Rewald's and how he's adapted to his game plan when he was at St Kilda. So he can, if he can get another player and then leave Pav down one out in the goal square, I think that'll probably suit the uh, Ross Lyon down to a tee in that forward line. And if yeah. he turns into a Nick Rewald, even better. Oh, It'd be great in a couple of years if you know, Pav's <laughs> still around to plonk him in the goal square and have Tabitha running centre-half forward, making the leads. That would be uh, brilliant if we've gone to a likely type with him. But he comes on leaps and bounds if he can... String a couple of games together. It's is going to do wonders next year. I think the uh, forward line for us does uh, Geelong. The way it'll be interesting to see Geelong's structure because obviously Hawkins will probably play down there, and obviously McFarlane will. You probably think Dawson will start on Hawkins, and that probably leaves McFarlane. will probably look at Pods, I would think, which leaves Johnson free to try and be that sort of third man back. And last week, you once again you saw the ability of Fremantle's defenders to body up just before the ball gets to the contest and let that third guy come up. The amount of times Ibbotson took goal marks in the goal square or McFarlane down there, just, just to stop like guys like Petrie's run was, uh, you know, just shows how well they work together at the moment. Yeah, I'm surprised sides don't do it often when we actually have the seven back to actually throw someone in there to make Johnson accountable. And if it's Johnson, it's Ibbotson, it's, we always seem to have one down back there and Opposition sides are just so stupid to just throw it straight down and they were gobbling it up and turning it back out the other way. So um, it would be interesting to see if Geelong actually allow us that loose man or if they're going to press right up and actually try and go man on man on us and actually uh, get it in there. Yeah, teams have really struggled to sort of beat Ross Lyons' game plan and get through that defence. It's quite interesting. You think, you know, you can see that Fremantle do have that extra player back, but they've really struggled to uh, end up sort of. Uh, being able to break through it on a regular basis. And, uh, and the only team that really has done that was Hawthorne down in Tassie. That was all because we had Johnson playing on Buddy and we had uh, the young Tanner Smith in his Tanner first Smith, game yeah. getting absolutely monstered by <laughs> Hale. So um, that was the only reason why we've really let ourselves down. All the other games, it's, I've really struggled to remember the side that's torn our back line apart. So mm. I'm surprised sides haven't caught on and I'm surprised our team's just done so well down back. Well, Seppo, that's because we're the number one defensive team in the country, mate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, do, you know how, do you know how good that feels to say? Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, Interesting game in the AFL too, in 10 minutes in the last quarter and uh, the goal the difference. So uh, have an interesting uh, sort of thing for uh, Fremantle as well in terms of the top four with their fessing and don't get through tonight. So, But um, have we got any, um, any other points about this game, fellas, or we'll uh, move on? Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not really, other than the fact that I'll be down there. Uh, one of our fellow posters on the board, Fife's boot, uh, the old Uncle Reggie, he'll be uh, travelling down with me. I've offered to pick him up, and he'll be celebrating his birthday, I believe. So 
big happy birthday to you, and I just hope we can get up because it's not going to be good down there if we get monstered. I just want us to show some fight. I don't think I think that's one of the things you pretty much guarantee from a free Ross Lyon side. You know, you know you're going to get fight. Whether we've got the class out there is a different story, but you definitely know there's going to be the effort there. Are the um, guys going anywhere for a drink beforehand, Seppo? If there's anyone heading down for the game, or um, it, um... not before, but it looks like afterwards. A lot of people mentioned the Barwon Club Hotel, I think, which is walking distance from the ground, um, only about 150 meters away. So it looks like we'll probably end up there afterwards for some celebratory or commiseration drinks, I believe. So look out for that after the game, anyone going down. Excellent. And uh, so have we got any other uh, general discussion or anything anyone would like to bring up this week after all the uh, <laughs> hoopla for the last sort of three or four days? Yeah, no, I'll I'll bring, I'll, I've got some stuff. Uh, yep. One, um, Jesse Crichton, it was reported on the weekend, Seppo, for striking. Uh, it was just a reprimand, wasn't it? He got yeah, off. Yeah, he, he got reprimanded in the end, yeah. Just thought I'd uh, raise that one for you. Uh, don't don't stick it in. I thought he was close <laughs> to being an emergency this week. Might get his chance. It's going to be hard though because it's funny. We we are fielding our weaker side for the whole year, um, and I suppose he's just waiting for someone in the back line to go down. And I want him to get a game, but I don't want our back line to be changed. So it's a bit of a conundrum I'm in, and unfortunately, it's making it hard for him like, when he's fit to actually get into the side. So, oh well, we'll have to sit it out. Yeah. Um, the other bit of news I heard, I haven't had any confirmation from anyone, but um, Neil, uh, young cowboy Neil, and a couple of young players are apparently punished for drinking during the bye week. Mm. Haven't been able to find out any information, but the guy who told me is normally pretty reliable. Okay, so well, I said I haven't heard a lot on it, but it's interesting that Neil's name didn't come up in discussions at all this week, and, he, and I think he didn't play last week either. No, that's right, he didn't play for Swans. So maybe there was a bit of... Uh, that's what's got True. me thinking about it. That yeah, could be his okay. punishment, missing yeah. out the game for the waffle. Makes it hard for him to get back into the side. Yeah, it certainly will be interesting. All right, after uh, last week's stellar joke of the week, Seppo, have you got anything for us this week? No, I'm going to hold off this week. I've been crook all day, so I haven't got any comedy gold for you, but uh, uh, no, I'll have to leave it for next time. <laughs> okay, we'll let people sit on the uh, game from last week. Just to let people know as well that... Um, you may see on the forums that we've sort of got a new um, stream as well for our iTunes podcast. We'll still keep the existing one up probably for another three or four weeks at least. So if you are subscribing through iTunes, by all means, just keep it as is for the next couple of weeks. But you may want to also change over to the new one, um, which is under the Big Footy banner. So we'll uh, probably in about a month's time, we'll shut the other one down. So, uh, But we're sort of getting quite a few listens through there. So if you do subscribe through iTunes... In the next couple of uh, weeks, if you want to, if you get a chance, maybe just switch your subscription over so you don't miss out. And uh, other than that, fellas, uh, what's our uh, tips for this week? Seppo, what do you think? Uh, look, I'd love to say Frio by three points. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to, I don't want to tip Geelong, but I'm just going to say us by a very narrow margin. Okay, and Valkram, how about yourself, mate? I just think the game plan's too good for anyone else in the competition. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Frio by 14. And by the way, that'll put me uh, a good dollar on the uh, on the punt as well. Yeah, I think uh, Fremantle are paying a reasonable uh, amount this week at two sixty. So uh, certainly, uh, if you do like them, there's certainly a bit of value there. But I think, uh, as you said, Seppo, I really find it hard this week with our, probably our, two of our better movers in the midfield out, um, along with the forward. We may struggle a little bit, but you know, as you said, it is hard to tip Geelong. So uh, have to go Freo by a, probably only a point, but. Um, as I said, if we do get over the line, I think it's really going to set up the rest of our year. And, uh, you know, I think we'll probably take a lot more prominence 
across all sort of not only betting markets but all across the media markets if they get up this week um, and really sort of uh, you know show that we can win anywhere because I think this is probably going to be our toughest game for the rest of the year by far up until at least round 24 anyway. We'll be making a massive statement if we can pull off this win with the personnel out in the field and being it's almost looking at the fixture it was the toughest game for the whole year so if we manage to do it tomorrow, you know, we're, I suppose we're all going to come back on the board if we manage to lose and go, yeah, fair enough. We'll have our excuses, even though Ross won't. But, um, yeah, now we've got to we can look forward to weeks on end afterwards if we do manage to lose. But um, I'm, I'm the internal optimist and I'm just going down there hoping for a win. And who knows, it may even be another draw again. If it's low scoring, we could see Sydney all over <clears> again. Well, if we do win, hope, uh, you'd think that would be the end of us flying under the radar. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for this week, fellas. So uh, thanks very much for joining us, Valkram. Always great to have you back on board. Not a problem. And Seppo, I hope you feel a bit better, mate, and you can uh, get down there and uh, cheer the boys on at Cadinia Park or Skilled Stadium. I sure will. I'll rest yeah. up and I'll make sure I'm all good for uh, Saturday. Should be a good one. Listen out for me. Hopefully I haven't lost my voice by then. Beautiful. All right. We'll see you uh, next week, guys, and uh, enjoy the game this week against the Cats. Should be a cracker. See ya.